بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله and welcome to this podcast series of a commentary on نهج البلاغة by Mizan Institute على ذلك نسلت القرون ومضت الدهور وسلفت الآباء وخلفت الأبناء إلى أن بعث الله سبحانه محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله in our previous session, we covered the excerpt in which Imam Ali in Najjal Balagha is speaking of the prophets in general. He had not made a distinction between any of those prophets. He, all in all, he had put them all in one basket and said different things about them, why they were sent, what their goals were, and so on, and maybe even the challenges that they faced. But here now the Imam singles out our Holy Prophet by begin by saying that uh, Allah sent him These Prophets, they came one after another. This was the norm and Allah continued this until it reached the Holy Prophet In this way, and I'm going to read the translation, it says, In this way ages passed by and times rolled on. Fathers passed away while sons took their places. Now it reaches a point where this final messenger comes. Now Allah sent him Two things he says here. Number one, that Allah sent him to fulfill his promise. It seems that it's as if, when you read this, it's as if all of creation is there, all the previous prophets came, all so that it's in preparation for and laying the grounds for and the foundations, excuse me, for this final prophet to come. It's as if history is building up towards this holy prophet, the final messenger. And so there's a promise as if Allah has given all of mankind, all of his previous prophets, he's given a promise as if. Now, either he's given this promise directly or even indirectly, this is a promise that Allah has and Allah feels is on his shoulders as if, of course, as if, that he has to fulfill. And so that promise has to be fulfilled with the final messenger, the greatest of them all, the highest of his creation. All of this, it's as if all of creation is there so that this messenger and and ultimate creature of his, this greatest creature of his can come into existence as if. And so he fulfills that promise that he has. And this Prophet comes. Another thing that Allah is after, in addition to fulfilling His promise of this Messenger coming eventually, is that this Prophet will be the seal of the Prophets. As the Quran says in Surah Al Ahzab, verse 40, مَا كَانَ مُحَمَّدٌ أَبَا أَحَدٍ مِنْ رِجَالِكُمْ وَلَكِنْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَخَاتَمَ النَّبِيِّينَ That Allah has sent this prophet as the seal of all prophets so the second reason for sending this holy prophet or the second outcome of this prophet being sent is that the nubuwa and prophethood is going to end now tamam nubuwatihi with the with this prophet being appointed and sent prophethood is now sealed there will be no prophet after this prophet and so one can conclude if this holy prophet is the last prophet then this religion will be the last religion. If this prophet is the highest of all prophets, then his religion is going to be the highest of all religions. There is no, There are no other teachings 
that need to be sent down for the perfection of mankind. If those who come after this prophet follow these teachings, then they have that shot at ultimate felicity, ultimate perfection and growth and development. And one can from that also conclude that mankind and humankind had developed so much and enough to be ready for this final message and most complete message. And so I understand that 1400 years have passed and the man uh, and the humankind of 1400 years ago are nowhere near um, mankind of today and the human beings of today. We have made a lot of progress. But the progress that we've made in one sense are all just materialistic and confined to this dunya and the life of this dunya. And so, yes, it is true that 1400 years ago cannot be compared to today. Mankind of 1400 years ago cannot be compared to mankind of today because of all the progress that mankind has made. But all of that has nothing really to do with one's uh, felicity and growth and development in the hereafter. We have to understand these are two different things. The fact that God sent the final messenger shows that the religion is the final and most complete religion, which shows that the people have reached the point of development to the point where they're ready for this message. And so from that perspective, mankind of 1400 years ago is no different than mankind of today. And this argument that, oh, but we've changed a lot in these 1400 years. Yeah, we've changed a lot. But in the dunyawi aspect, we've changed a lot. In the materialistic aspect, we've changed a lot. But when it comes to the spiritual side of things, or even the mental side of things, uh, the mental capacity and the mind, we have the the man mankind of fourteen hundred years ago has enough to be ready for that final religion, as if as is mankind of today ready for that as well. So in this sense, I just want to really insist and emphasize that in this sense. We are all in the same boat. Mankind of 1400 years ago and mankind of today. Ready to receive this final message. So for example, if mankind was ready for, let's say, five times of prayer a day, 1400 years ago, and had the capacity for it, even if that might have not been the case for previous religions, then mankind of today is also ready for five times of prayer per day. If mankind is ready for 30 days or 29 days of fasting per year, then mankind of today is also ready for that, and so on and so forth. A million things that one can think of that might not have been obligations in previous religions and faiths, but became wajib and obligatory during the Prophet's time and are, oblig are obligatory till today. All right. مَأْخُوذًا عَلَى النَّبِيِّينَ مِثَاقُهُ مَشْهُورَةً سِمَاتُهُ كَرِيمًا مِلَادُهُ This Prophet that Allah sent, there are a few things about him that the uh, the Imam points out here. He says, number one, that Allah had taken an oath from previous previous prophets regarding the this prophet, and this might be pointing to the verse of the Quran that speaks of Allah taking an oath. Now it doesn't mention the Holy Prophet by name, but all in all, our Mufassirin have pointed out that this verse might be speaking of that and is most probably speaking of the holy, our Holy Prophet in regards to previous Prophets and Allah taking an oath from them regarding him. This is Surah Ali Imran, verse 81, where it says, 
that when Allah took a, an oath concerning the prophets, he said, Inasmuch as I have given you of the book and wisdom, should an apostle come to you thereafter confirming what is with you, you shall believe in him and help him. He said, Allah said, Do you pledge and accept my covenant, my oath on this condition? They said, We pledge. He said, Then be witnesses, and I am also among the witnesses along with you. So an oath was taken, it's saying in this verse. Some have identified this oath with the oath that Imam Ali is speaking of here, that Allah took from all of the Prophets concerning our Holy Prophet Looking at other verses as well, you can tell that this was something that previous Prophets are aware of and that they are also prophesizing that another Prophet is going to come or, or, or they're praying to Allah that Allah sends that Prophet. So for example, we'll have in Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 129, it says, Our Lord, this is Prophet Ibrahim speaking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Our Lord, raise amongst them an apostle from among them who should recite to them your signs and teach them the book and wisdom and purify them. Indeed, you are the Almighty, the All-Wise. So this is Prophet Ibrahim salam. Or for example, Prophet Isa in Surah Al-Saf, verses 6, he's also quoted to say, to say O children of Israel, indeed I am the Apostle of Allah to you, to confirm what is before me of the Torah, and to give the good news of an Apostle who will come after me, whose name is Ahmad. Yet when he brought them manifest proofs, they said this is plain magic. Okay, so Prophet Isa is also prophesizing, is also letting them know that there is someone to come after. So that oath that was taken from previous Prophets, they, um, they're also pointing this out to their people, and speaking to their people about this last prophet that's going to come. To the point that although the Qur'an says that they told their people, the Qur'an also tells us that they would write it in their books. It was recorded in their books, those divine books, that someone is going to be coming, by, which is the Holy Prophet So for example, in Surah Al-A'raf, verse 157, it says, those who follow the Apostle, it's speaking about those who follow our Prophet Muhammad it says, those who follow the Apostle, the uninstructed Prophet, whose mention they find written with them in the Torah and the Injil, who bids them to do what is right, forbids them from what is wrong, and makes lawful for them all the good things, and forbids them from all the bad things, vicious things, it says here, and relieves them of their burdens and the shackles that were upon them. Those who believe in him, honor him, and help him, and follow the light that has been sent down with him, they are the felicitous. So you see here it's saying they have to also help that person. This is the same oath that was taken from the prophets. The one that I read from Surah Al-Imran verse 81. It says, لَتَنْصُرُنَّهُ You will help him. Here it's saying that they have to honor him and they have to help him. Okay, so all in all, this idea of a prophet that is going to be coming and it is so important to follow him, to protect him, to help him and honor him. This is as if an oath is taken from all the previous prophets and by extension probably their people that they're going to do their part when he comes. Okay, so مَأْخُوذًا عَلَى النَّبِيِّنَ مِفَاقُهُ مَشْهُورَةً سِمَاتُهُ This Prophet that's going to be coming is not that just we just know his name and nothing else about him. His traits and characteristics are mashhur. Mashhur means known. It's not something that is hidden. It's all disclosed. And so we've heard all the stories. Now these are traits and characteristics that um, sometimes are even physical traits and characteristics. And then of course they will also be spiritual ones. They will, they, will, they will also be ones that have to do with his personality, his demeanor and akhlaq, his message. And so you'll have different stories. So for example, the famous story of Salman al-Farsi 
when he find, when he's looking for that person he knows that will be coming toward the ends of times towards the end of times he finally run, finds the holy prophet sallallahu and he looks for those signs on his um, on the on his back or shoulder or shoulder blade he looks for a sign that he had heard that the last prophet will have and he finds it and the holy prophet exposes that to him so he can see and make sure or for example the other stories of when even the holy prophet sallallahu was still a child he was still young and he's traveling with his uncle and so that uh, christian priest sees him and uh, and finds the signs of prophethood in him and so on and so forth everyone you can say in in one way or another not everyone but i don't want to necessarily claim that it was everyone but a lot of people knew that this final messenger is going to be coming and it might not be an overstatement to say that everyone in one way or another knew that he was coming but the the least that one can say is that there were many who were people of god and were waiting for this last prophet they knew what his characteristics are going to be his traits are going to be what his message is going to be and so on kariman miladuhu he had a honor honorable and noble birth as well his milad was karim noble and honorable what is this referring to uh, some have said when the Prophet was born, there were different things that happened in the world, natural phenomena that took place that had never taken place before. For example, they'll say that the uh, idols fell from the Kaaba, or they'll say that uh, a fire a fire that the Zoroastrians had been worshipping for a long time that had never been extinguished, it, all of a sudden it went out. And things like that, across the globe things happened. That is one way of looking at it. Personally, though, I'm inclined towards another interpretation of what it's saying here and that is to say that he had a noble birth and honorable birth in three ways number one is that uh, when he was born it's not like he was just some random person that no one really cared about some random baby that no one really cared about no it's more than that he was born into the Banu Hashim which is one of the greatest clans and most honorable clans of the Quraysh his grandfather Abdul Muttalib is the chief of that tribe his uh, uncle Abu Talib later on goes to succeed uh, his his father Abdul Abdul Muttalib in being the chief of the Banu Hashim, and he's the one who is raising the Holy Prophet He's the one who protects the Prophet. So the the, the Prophet, when he's born, it's not just some it's not just some random baby. People are surrounding him, and his grandfather takes him. According to some of the stories, some of the narrations, he is taken to the uh, he takes him to the Kaaba. So here it says, and this is in the book of Musu'at al-Tariq, it says here that um, in the Sirah of Ibn Ishaq, it says that when the, the Holy Prophet was born, his mother spoke to Abdul Muttalib, which is the Prophet's grandfather, as I said. So the, the, the mother of the Holy Prophet sends a message to the grandfather of the Prophet, and asks him to come and see the child that has been born. She tells him of strange things that had happened when the baby was born, namely the fact that when he was born, a nur and light filled the sky. Okay, And I'll talk about some other things later. So it says uh, that she told him about that. And other things that she had heard in regards to him and what she had been told to name him فَأَخَذَهُ عَبْدُ الْمُطَّلِبِ so Abdul Muttalib takes this baby فَدَخَلَ بِهِ الْكَعْبَةِ enters him into the Kaaba and he stood up يَدْعُ اللَّهُ وَيَشْكُرْ لَهُ مَا أَعْطَاهُ 
and he begins to thank Allah and pray to Allah, um, thanking him for what Allah has given him of this child. Okay, so that's one one of the uh, stories we have. There's another one that we have in our Shi'i uh, sources, some of the hadiths that we have in regards to the Prophet's birth, that it says that uh, they took him to Abdul Muttalib, uh, or Abdul Muttalib was brought to him, so that he takes, so that he sees the child, and what the mother of the child had said in regards to the birth and the baby had reached Abdul Muttalib. So he's aware of what has happened and transpired upon the birth of the Holy Prophet He took the baby, put the baby in his lap, and so he kind of took him to the pillars of the Kaaba. My understanding of this is that. Uh, who comes from ta'weev and that's when you want to protect someone with something so it's as if he sought the protection of this child by taking this child uh, to the pillars of the Kaaba and circling him around the Kaaba and the pillars of the Kaaba and then it says that he uh, recited some poetry for this child as well so this is Abdul Muttalib the one that everyone's looking up to in his time and the one who is one of the most honorable of them all holding this child, taking this child personally into the Kaaba, praying for him, taking him around the Kaaba, reciting poetry for him, and so on. So this is an honorable birth, brothers and sisters. This is a kariman miladuhu. This is a person who whose milad is kareem. So that's one, one way to look at it. Uh, one of the three things that I want to say. Number one, that he was born into an honorable family with honorable people surrounding him when he was born. Number two, they say that his mother, when he was born, didn't experience what other mothers experience. And number three, and with that itself is something noble and honorable if someone um, is not born in that specific way. Um, my understanding from all of this is that uh, the bleeding that takes place might have not happened according to what they're saying here. And number three, the baby itself, there are some also accounts that say that he was born already circumcised and even the umbilical cord was detached without anyone having to do that. So these are some of the accounts that we have. But all in all, what I'm trying to say here is that we bring all of these puzzle pieces together. Okay, The people that were around him, the family and tribe that he was born into, um, what the mother saw, what the mother heard, what the mother experienced when she delivered this baby, what the baby looked like when it was born. All of these come together to give us one understanding, and that is Kariman Miladuhu. This child's birth was one of nobility and honor. Okay, and so that, as I said, my understanding is that this is what is meant. Not necessarily that you know the idols fell from inside the Kaaba when he was born, and a lot of other things happened. The fire went extinguished, and 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 so on, and other things that they've said. Pillars of I don't know whose castle fell, etc. Okay, so. Although those, th that might be part of it as well. But personally, I don't necessarily think that that needs to be the case. Okay. Allah is not going to honor someone this much and give so much to someone but not have an expectation of them to take care of the circumstances that they are born in. What were the circumstances? What did it look like in that time of um, of the Prophet ﷺ when he was born. Three things it says here. Ahlul Ard, the people of the earth. It doesn't just say the Arabian Peninsula. It says the people of earth. So I guess it's a lot of people. Yawma'idhin. On that day, they were milalun mutafarriqa. 
they were of different faiths, different um, religions, and so on. That's if you take milal to mean faiths and religions. Some might take milal to be to mean different groups. Whatever it is, um, they were not united on one ideology. وَأَهْوَاءٌ مُنْتَشِرَةٌ أَهْوَاءٌ مُنْتَشِرَةٌ means uh, they had their own aims, ambitions, goals, what they were pursuing, things like that. So each person is after something here. Muntashira, I would say, I was Muntashira means something that's spread out. In this context, I would say it means all over the place. And when it came to the people's ambitions, what they were after in life, it's just all over the place. Instead of having one goal, and that is Allah, one goal that is Allah and the Akhirah, Rather, they are seeking everything but what they're supposed to be seeking. They're not unified on that. They're all over the place. They're missing the target. And each person person has their own way of reaching whatever goal they're after. So they're all on different paths. Their ways were diverse, it says here. So these people who are all over the place, when you look at their ideologies, what does it look like? Well, it says, بَيْنَ مُشَبِّهٍ لِلَّهِ بِخَلْقِهِ أَوْ مُلْحِدٍ فِسْمِهِ these people, they were either people who would compare and liken Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to his creation. As if God has a body, as if God is in a place and so on. Or Or when it came to his names, Allah's names, his qualities, they were deviant, they were off track, they were, per, they were in, in perversion. Okay, They twisted his names. Um, when it came when it came to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So some have said what is meant here is that they would give the names of God, they would kind of use the names of God for their idols. So for example, what you'll find, I've seen uh, scholars, different scholars talk about this. It says, for example, they one of their idols was called Allat. It's famous, we, uh, we have this Allat even in the Quran. Allat, they say, came from Allah. Uzza. Okay, where does it come from? Al-Aziz. What does uh, Manat come from? It comes from Al-Mannan, which is one of the names of Allah. So they would look at the names of God and put them on the idols. Another one is Wad, right? So we have that famous warrior Amr bin Abdi Wad, who was killed by Imam Ali in the Battle of Khandaq. Abdi Wad means slave and servant of Wad, the idol Wad, the God whose name is Wad. Um, so Wad, they would say it comes from Wadud, which is also one of Allah's names. So some have said Mulhid fi ismihi or Fismihi. This has to do with people putting the names of God, they're twisting the names of God and putting those names of God on their idols. Others have said, or maybe some say there's also another way to look at it, and to say that they would actually think they would actually attribute qualities of God, divine qualities of God to these idols, as if the, the the idols are sustainers, as if the idols are the ones to be worshipped, and so on. So whatever it is, you can tell that when it came to the qualities of God, these people were totally off. And finally, Mushirin ila ghayrihi. And there were some of them who apparently didn't even care about God at all, and just were pointing to other than God when it comes to anything. So the idol worshippers, they would say, according to the Qur'an, that these idols, they get us closer to God himself. So in, in in a way, you can say that they still had God in the equation. They still had God in mind. But then it says, Mushirin ila ghayrihi. There are some, who, all in all, they just had totally neglected God. And they're just pointing in another direction. yeah, And have turned another way completely 
and are turning others in that direction as well. فَهَدَاهُمْ بِهِ مِنَ الضَّلَالَةِ وَأَنْقَذَهُمْ بِمَكَانِهِ مِنَ الْجَهَالَةِ Okay, so now that these people are in such misguidance and are heading towards Jahannam, it says Allah through the Prophet guided them from this misguidance. وَأَنْقَذَهُمْ بِمَكَانِهِ مِنَ الْجَهَالَةِ And through the high rank, I would say, of this Holy Prophet, he, he saved them from the ignorance that they were in, the foolishness they were in. Jahala, uh, some have said is different than jahal. Jahal means ignorance. Jahala means foolishness. When you know something is wrong, but you still do it. That kind of thing. I personally think that this applies more to the people of that time. They understood uh, that these are just sticks and stones that they've used to make idols. How is an idol going to do anything for you? But be, although they ha- they understand this, they would still worship them. Why? Because our forefathers did it. So that's foolishness. That's that's just being dumb, straight up. And so it says here, it doesn't say, It says, So the Prophet saved them from saved them from dalala, misguidance, and jahala. Let's say ignorance and foolishness, if you want to say both. Okay? And the Quran also uh, points this out in Surah Al Imran, verse 103. Uh, it's one of those very beautiful verses. Hold fast all together to Allah's cord, Allah's rope, and do not be divided. And remember Allah's blessing upon you when you were enemies. Then He brought your hearts together, of course, through the Holy Prophet. So you became brothers with His blessing, and you were on the brink of a pit of fire. It's scary. Like you're just walking on the edge of a pit of fire. But what happened is Allah saved you from that. Whereat He saved you from it. Thus does Allah clarify His signs for you so that you may be guided. Okay. So the Imam here says, فَهَدَاهُمْ مِنَ الضَّلَالِ بِهِ مِنَ الضَّلَالَةِ وَأَنْقَذَهُمْ بِمَكَانِهِ مِنَ الْجَهَالَةِ So now this Prophet, that is really, he's a miracle of God. His personality, just his existence is beautiful. It's not going to be there forever. The test continues, brothers and sisters. We have to understand Everything will end in this life. The Quran tells the Holy Prophet, you will die and those who are around you will also die. Everyone's going to die. So that time comes. It says, So the time comes where Allah, now the wording here is interesting, it doesn't say Allah took his life, it says ikhtara, chose for him, as if God is always choosing the best for the Holy Prophet When the time comes that there's another option, Allah says I'm going to take that option for you, O Prophet. So it says Allah chose for Muhammad to meet him. And it doesn't say he, he, he took his life or he died, to meet him. This is also very important here. So number one, to meet him. Number two, And Allah preferred for him, and was satisfied for him, that which he has, which Allah has. So Allah has so much to give. And so now Allah says, okay, what I want now is for my Prophet ﷺ to also be able to benefit from and enjoy what is with me. أَكْرَمَهُ عَنْ دَارِ الدُّنْيَا وَرَغِبَ بِهِ عَنْ مَقَامِ الْبَلْوَىٰ 
The translation says, regarded him too dignified to remain in this world and decided to remove him from this place of trial. And of course, this is going to be a very, very hard day for the Muslim Ummah. Um, as Shia, usually when we are commemorating the death and mar or martyrdom of one of the Ma'asumin, usually we'll remember the Masaib they went through, the hardships they went through, and uh, the brothers and sisters will shed tears over that, especially for Imam Hussain right? We have to understand, the Holy Prophet when he passes away, just the fact that he's not in the dunya anymore, that itself is, is the greatest musibah. And if you look, you'll find some hadiths that refer to the Holy Prophet's demise as the greatest musibah of Islam. Now some people might, might say, oh, he also was martyred or not. That's a different discussion all in all. But all in all, even if someone comes to the conclusion that the Prophet passed away, just a normal passing, still, this will be the greatest, one of the greatest, if not the greatest musibah to ever befall the Muslim ummah. We have to understand, it is a very, very sad time to the point that Bibi Fatima alayhi salam just can't, it's unbearable for her, right? And so when when the when the Imam here is speaking of, oh, the Prophet passed away, it's not just a normal passing here, it's not a normal passing away. If the birth of the Prophet was special, then of course his passing is going to be very, very significant as well and very, very heavy. And it was a heavy, uh, um, it was a heavy tragedy upon the people. So this Prophet, just like previous Prophets, leaves his people... But did this Prophet leave this dunya and did Allah take him without making sure that the people know what they're supposed to do after him? That is something to talk about in our next session because the Imam goes on to say, the Prophet left among you the same which other Prophets left among their people. And so that's something to discuss inshallah in our next session. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.